Welcome to the 126th episode of the Young Turfs Podcast from the Viner Forget Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're combining two. Sadly, we're going to have to talk about the Turfs 59 to nothing lost to Penn State from Friday night. And we'll be previewing Maryland's trip up to Rutgers as they try and get the season back on the rails. But before that... As always, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small lunch, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Downey and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, Contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, on the non-rev report this evening, I'd say it's a pretty good overall poll. Uh, men's soccer played Wisconsin to a 0-0 tie on Friday in Madison. They're now 4-3-1 on the season. And um, that game was on BTN, I believe, so quite a few Trump fans actually switched over to that game during the Penn State game. A nice little anecdote I saw on Twitter. Um, they will face off against, or I'm sorry, they're currently playing number 22 Rutgers in College Park right now as we speak. The score is 1-1, one to one, uh, deep in the second half. Looks like it'll be a tie. On Friday, they will host Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, well, right, you, you gotta remember, they don't, they don't end, um, at the end of regulation. They do have overtime for regular season games in college soccer. Uh, moving on to field hockey... They're in the middle of a stretch against six straight ranked teams. They defeated number 10 Princeton 4-3 to in overtime last Tuesday and beat number 18 Rutgers 2-1 to on the road over the weekend. Next is an impossible stretch as the number 4 Terps will travel to Evanston tomorrow to face number 5 Northwestern before hosting the coveted number 3 UConn Huskies on Saturday at 12. Uh, should be a great game and maybe a record-breaking crowd attendance. So if you're around the area, get out there and watch our field hockey team take on one of the best teams in the nation. Um, another Lady Terp team, women's soccer, is having a great year. Uh, they captured a huge road win against number against top 25 Rutgers 2-1 over the weekend. They face Ohio State in Columbus tomorrow night. Uh, forward Alyssa Porich was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week yesterday. Women's soccer is having a great season. I have nowhere almost to. They're currently 6-3-2 and two, and have already exceeded their win total of 4 from last year. And they are currently tracking their best season since either 2013 when they went 10-10 ten and 10, or 2012 when they got captured 14 wins and also made the tournament. i got to be honest, Mason, this one blindsided me. I, this team was horrendous last year. Yeah, um, they weren't off to a great start either this year, but they kind of called that win against Rutgers a program builder, and it looks... It's looking good right now, but fingers crossed they can keep it up. They did get off to a strong start last year, and then they kind of tailed off. Uh, moving down the list here, we have some volleyball. Conference plays off to a rough start, unfortunately, for the volleyball team this season. They were only able to win one set and combine between the games with Ohio State and Michigan State. They got a chance to right the ship this Friday night on BTN at home against Michigan. A little bit disappointing uh, team that you were hoping to build on what they did last year when they almost made the tournament, but they're going to need a strong, uh, they got to get it together. They need a strong finish to the season. I guess they're only midway through, but they need a strong, they need a strong push, or less than midway through. Yeah, I really had high hopes for this team. They're they're almost in the top 25 earlier this year, but they have uh, kind of fallen off a cliff here. 
Sounds like another team. But they still have time. They still have time to fix it if they get together. Well, you hear what I said? I said sounds like another team. Oh, yeah. It really does. Uh, On to some pro-turp news. Maryland soccer alum Gordon Wild put together a hat-trick performance on D.C. United's farm team in the Loudoun United. Kind of weird that Gordon is not in the MLS given that he was the... um, uh, I think it's the Mac Herman Trophy Award winner, the Heisman of College Soccer. But, yeah, he's uh, making things happen on the farm team, hoping to work his way back up into MLS play. The five former Terps in the WNBA Finals combined for 50 points and 20 rebounds and 15 assists in Game 2. Alyssa Thomas also earned a shout-out by LeBron on Twitter because I believe she's playing with a torn labrum, and she's changed her whole game around that, but she's... uh. You know, getting it to still put up huge numbers. Yeah, for those who aren't following, um, the Washington Mystics and the Connecticut Sun are in the WNBA Finals. Series is tied at 1-1, going back to Connecticut. Um, But five Terps in this series. Most of them are starting, too. It's really impressive for the program. And um, hopefully the Mystics can pull it out. I'm not going to following. But DC team winning is always a great thing, at least for us. Well, they pulled out the... Uh, win in game one, and then they lost last night in game two. Uh, moving down the list to lacrosse, they have announced that they'll also be running out of the shell before games, as expected. Anthony Cowan was named second-team preseason All-American and first-team All-Big Ten. I'm kind of surprised by that, but he has been getting a lot of national buzz. Of course, he's a senior, too. Uh, Terps in the pros for week four. Uh, we'll kick it off with our Terp. Of, actually, we'll swing back to the Terp of the week at the end. We'll start off with Stefan Diggs, who had 108 yards on seven catches, and he earned our runner-up for Terp of the Week, but a lot of trade buzz around Stefan. Jordan, up by you in Minnesota. I heard that uh, you sent a text about some Kirk Cousins jabbing now from the Vikings fans. Yeah, I'll censor what the actual quote was, but I was just walking by some guys in the dining hall up here, and the quote on what I'm getting um, the guys said, just in passing, he never approved himself in Washington, so I have no idea why we paid him all the money. Referring to Kirk Cousins, former Redskins quarterback, of course. Stefan Diggs, 108 yards, but his social media feed has been very antsy with how his... He seems more upset with how Adam Thielen's being treated than himself, which is kind of strange to me. Yeah, I never liked Kirk Cousins, and I'm not going to pin all this on him or anything, but I never liked Kirk Cousins. And it doesn't see It seems to be falling apart similar like it did here in... Um, D.C., like it's starting to fall apart in Minnesota. Uh, moving down the list to Darnell Savage. Three tackles, another 100% of the snaps game for Darnell, and some early buzz for Defensive Rookie of the Year for Savage. I could tell with this guy, Jordan, but you were kind of shaky about him. You know, he didn't, because I guess the Maryland defense didn't look great, not a lot of people had Darnell Savage pegged for a huge year. Yeah, um, I thought, I, I thought I didn't believe in him like that. It's more that... I just didn't expect him. I thought there'd be more of a learning curve with him. He kind of struggled at Maryland. He he was still a good player, but he didn't he didn't look NFL ready to me. But well, yes, I get that saying, but his last year he looked great, especially at the beginning of the season. But continue. But that, that's what it was. He tailed off, I and mean, he he could tail off here. It's definitely possible. I really hope it's not going to happen. But he's off to a great start to his career. I hope it works out for him. I don't hope it works out for the Packers as much, but they're having a good start, too, and they love him. They really do. They think he was an absolute steal at number 20, what, 22? Yeah. 
I believe it was somewhere around there. Yeah, on Savage, like a lot of these Maryland guys, I believe Antoine Brooks kind of fits that same mold. They're the kind of guys you need if you really want to win games in this conference. Savage and uh, Antoine, both respectively, have always been hurt. I mean, every Maryland defensive back. You see what J.C. Jackson's doing. We'll get to him uh, later down the list. These guys were all damaged at Maryland because there is no pass rush, and there really hasn't been since Yannick Ngakwe pass rush at Maryland in the Big Ten. I mean, Andre Monroe and Yannick Ngakwe brought it under, under Randy, but since then there has not been much much pass rush. That's why these secondary guys can ball in the NFL, and you really look at them at Maryland, and it didn't always look too great. Uh, Sean Davis did make his first appearance for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football against the Bengals, and it was an absolute trash game. Uh, six tackles, 71% of the defensive snaps. Uh, well, last week, I believe they traded for somebody at his position, and this week he's out there getting 71% of the snaps, so the Steelers look like they do believe in Sean Davis. Are you talking about Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Well, Mike Fitzpatrick is a cornerback, at least in the NFL so far. And they got Sean Davis playing safety. I know, it's been, but Fitzpatrick's always been a safety corner hybrid, and it looked like the Steelers were going to slate him at safety for a little bit, and it looked like Sean Davis was really going to get pushed out of his of his spot, but he is a... Fitzpatrick plays both. I thought I originally read that they were going to put him at safety, but if they have him at corner, then that's great for Sean Davis. Yeah, and especially... Um, well, Sean Davis' contract's coming up after this season as well. So, we will see where he ends up next year, but we can't wait ourselves on that. Jermaine Carter had maybe his best game as a pro so far. Played six... A career high six tackles, 39% of snaps, 52% of special team snaps. And um, there's a video, I don't know if you saw it, Mason, of Deshaun Watson running by him into the end zone with him. Um, Deshaun giving a bit of a taunt to Jermaine Carter, but he replied after the game with the Panthers winning, um, take that L instead, then, man, which got a lot of retweets. Yeah, I believe the actual quote was, hold that L. He did the uh, Matumbo finger at... Um Jermaine Carter on the way into the end zone. Definitely the social media post of the year so far out of any of our pro turps. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, two tackles, season high, 82% of the snaps. Quentin Jefferson, one and a half tackles on a season low, 63% of snaps. DJ Moore, three catches for 44 yards, not doing much for my fantasy team. Ty Johnson, 13 yards on three carries, one catch for one yard, and what was a disappointing uh, loss for the Detroit Lions. And Vernon Davis, one catch for five yards and in concussion protocol, so not great from him. And then Jordan, the DNPs. Yep, we got Byron Cowart, still has not played, I don't think, for the Patriots, so I might be wrong on that. Uh, Josh Woods, DMP, Darius Kilgo will probably be on IR for the rest of the season. Uh, and then our turn of the week, Mason. Yeah, it was a monster week, and kind of back to where he left off last year is J.C. Jackson for the New England Patriots. Two tackles, two interceptions, and a blocked punt. He earned yeah. our Terp of the Week. Yeah, man, did he earn it, too. I almost... It was close. I was kind of debating between him and Stefan Diggs, but Stefan Diggs really needed a touchdown or something to put him over the top. Or, well, Jackson. Stefan Diggs' team could have won, too. That would have also given him a little kick. Yeah, that would have helped as well. That, that Patriots-Bills game was kind of epic, though. I don't know if you saw it. Um, JC, though, has become almost like a Chris Hogan-ish type player on defense for the Patriots. He just lines up wherever they put him and just does well. He, yeah, he started a little bit this season, but it, it makes me frustrated how he played at Maryland with how well he's transitioned to the pros. Again, it's all about the pass rush and the defensive scheme. you got to remember with Savage 
and J.C. Jackson, they did play under the great defensive mind of Andy Boo. It just, there's so much left, like, with these guys, you know. Savage less, a lot less than J.C. Jackson, but when J.C. Jackson got to Maryland, he was an NFL player. That's what Keith Cavanaugh said. That's what all the insiders said. That this guy's got true NFL talent. And sure, it never really worked completely well at Maryland. He did have a game-winning interception against in uh, in Minneapolis against Minnesota once, and he made some big plays. But no, he was not this good at Maryland. Bill Belichick and his great defensive staff have done a great job of you know first off finding J.C. Jackson, then developing him into the player he is. Let's move on to some current Terp news, and well. Not a lot of bright spots here. Uh, let's start off with DJ Turner, charged with a DUI. Unclear if he will return to the field this season, but he is still with the team. That was confirmed by Coach Loxley. Um, so he can he be redshirted because he's only played four games this season. I I don't really know. I think maybe that's that's deep into the NCAA rules there. Yeah, that's a dive right there. Um. It was unclear why he didn't play against Penn State. Now we know it's not good. Um, it, it, Mike Loxley seemed very disappointed in him. I will say that. Yeah, first reported by Emily Giambalva of the Washington Post. Another unfortunate note, Lolo Harrison out for the season with a torn MCL and partially torn ACL. The Terps once endless running back depth chart, now down to three guys with Fleet Davis, Javon Leak, and Anthony McFarland, both Jake Funk and Lolo Harrison done for the season. Maryland center Johnny Jordan, uh, reported by Dave Lamonaco, is injured. Will be a game-time decision. And here we go, Jordan. The Terps could have an offensive line of Jalen Duncan, starting from left uh, to right. Jalen Duncan at left tackle. Sean Christie, guard. Ellis McKinney would then play, I believe, his fourth position of the year at center, which is supposedly his best position. And then you would have your right side of the line being Austin Fontaine, a guy who just switched over from defensive line to offensive line. And Spencer Anderson, a guy who was not on the two deep at the beginning of the season, I believe he's a redshirt sophomore, was a three-star out of Bishop McNamara. The thing, the most interesting thing here, at least to me, is last week in the game when Marcus Miner went down with the broken toe, he is also a game-time decision. Spencer Anderson was listed as his backup but did not come in. Instead, Ellis McKinney, they did a shift. Ellis McKinney moved over, and uh, Fontaine came in. So Spencer Anderson... Really, that's a, that's going to be rough. That's going to be really rough, that side of the line. You'll have to run left completely the whole game, which is not what the team does. They run right every time because at one point that was Marcus Minor and Terrence Davis. Now it could be down to Austin Fontaine and Spencer Anderson. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This is the worst-case scenario. I think it's important to emphasize that. Um, but if this does come to fruition, which could be the case... Yeah, we have problems. Our pass wrestling, our pass blocking issues will be extra, extravated again. Like, come on. Um, Terrence Davis going down was a shot. I think Austin Fontaine is capable. Well, I guess we're going to find out. I just, I cannot believe we've been this well, good no, 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 for injuries no. again. They don't have to find out. Because if Johnny Jordan and Marcus Minor both play, you'll have Jalen Duncan, Sean Christie, Johnny Jordan, Ellis McKinney, and Marcus Minor. So Fontaine will not have to play unless there's an injury during the game. That You really got to keep with that. Those guys, really, they really have to go. I, I'm reading a lot around Turf Nation 
that people are saying bench these guys, make sure they don't lose the whole season in this game. To me, this game is your season. You have to win this game. It's against Rutgers, who just fired their coach. You need to go out there and you got to show out and you got to win. You need, it's just it's a must. It's a must have. Which pulls into our next point very well. Um, it was, or not reported, they said it happened. But the um, players held a players only meeting, led by Kendra Jones, who we know for, came from Ohio State, a winning t- culture. Um, Antoine Brooks said Jones opened the meeting by saying, I caught it up because I feel like we can do way more and way better than what we're doing these last two weeks. Players also said Keandre Jones stressed there's a long season and two losses don't going to have to find the rest of the year. Uh, other players have said this is the first type of meeting they've been to since they got to Maryland, and hopefully this worked. I think it's a good thing that some players are taking initiative enough to try to calm everybody down. So, that is a good thing, but I don't get how they that's the first meeting they've been to like this when last year, didn't they have meetings like that when they de- decide what they want to do as a team with DJ Durkin? That's what Chance Campbell said. Hold on, I'll find the quote. I'm just speculating. I don't understand that. But, I mean, it might be the first thing that Chance Campbell's been invited to. What? It might be the first one that Chance Campbell's been to. Well, he said that it was an open forum to let the players come together and figure out what led to the losses. So maybe he meant like that. Maybe he meant because it was about, about football. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing. I think this team needs that. They got it. I, we'll get to the Penn State game in a second. Uh, last note, Chris Ash fired. Uh, the Rutgers head coach was fired heading into this weekend's game against, of course, Maryland. He'll be replaced by tight ends coach. I'm not completely sure how to say this guy's name, and I'm really not going to try. He was the tight ends coach at Rutgers. He'll take over both the offensive coordinator and head coach uh, spots, despite not really being a head coach on the college level. Uh, he gave a quote, I was reading something about Rutgers football as a whole, uh, you can't really change much in this little time, everyone expects a huge change, but you really won't be able to see it at least this week. So, Rutgers is a mess, Maryland uh, kind of looks like a mess after their 59 nothing loss to Penn State, let's talk about that. Uh, we'll start off with the good, great atmosphere on Friday night, uh, there were a lot of Penn State people around, A lot of, but there were a lot of Maryland fans there. Uh, if you looked at the Tyser Tower side of the stadium, even all the way into the end zone, all the way around the student section, it was mostly black. Everyone wore black to this game. They did, it did a really nice job. Obviously, the upper deck and the other half of the field, especially around the Penn State Stadium, I mean, especially around the Penn State sideline, was completely white. Gave me some great views from down in the field. But that was pretty much where the good stopped. Yeah, the atmosphere looked electric there. Uh, I wish I was there for the first, like, Two minutes of the game. After that, I could have left. Um, uh, no, that's not really. It wasn't that bad till Josh Jackson threw that interception when Maryland was um, down fourteen nothing on like the one yard line. I don't know how much you want to really talk about this game. I don't know what there's to say. Well, I'll go with my right now. I I I held it from the post game show to now. I've collected my thoughts. Oh boy, here we go. I've gotten it together. How does this happen? We can't have nice things. That game, that atmosphere, like my trip there, I I mean, this time I made my flight, obviously, so that was a plus for me. I got to the stadium, walked across the parking lot, and it was just perfect. 
huge tailgates everywhere. I mean, Maryland, uh, I know from just obviously going up through high school, and you do too, Jordan, from our school, from our school, there were a lot of kids that decided to go to Penn State, and a lot of them were there. I saw some of my friends after the game. It was just a great atmosphere. Just perfect tailgate party, sold-out parking lots. Obviously, parking spots for this game were more expensive than tickets. Just this great environment. And this team, this is one thing that I don't think anybody pointed out, Jordan. They were calling, show up, fill the shell, you know, and then all day on Friday, I was sitting in the airport, even after I landed, looking at these tweets, like, of how hyped up the players were. How do you go out and put out that effort? How do you not score a point? You're talking to a team that just played Pitt, and Pitt, they just beat Delaware by three. There's your example. Pitt had a Hail Mary opportunity on the last play of the game to tie the game. And our guys go out there and they give up 59 points and were absolutely embarrassed. It was one of the few times, and I've seen this team lose a lot of games by this margin. It's one of the few times I've been truly embarrassed to be a Maryland fan. I I completely agree. It was among the worst. I said this, I posted this on our Twitter account. That might be the worst loss we've seen as Maryland fans, you and I. Just because the hype leading up to it, for, since the season started, this game was highlighted, hyped up. People were calling out people, like calling them out. We were calling, we were on them. We were calling out the alumni for not supporting this team. And show up, make this a home game for us. Don't let them take over our stadium. And the students came too. That's what maybe gets to me the most. The students came. 12,000 students showed up for this game. They were loud, they were hyped up. And what did you do? You just failed. I don't even know how to say it. I thought I was over this, but I'm still mad about this, apparently. You failed as a team to show up for the team, for the fans you begged to show up. You had one of the worst performances in Maryland history. Actually, looking at the score is one of the worst. I, I don't know how much you even want to talk about the game. Like... There's nothing to say. Josh Jackson had a quarterback rating of 3.8. They scored 59 points last we didn't score. Like, what else is there to say? Uh, I'll keep I'll keep talking. One more point. How does this man, Josh Jackson, throw the ball to the tight end and he's nervous every time? They're running under your routes, kid. They got you pegged. They got what you do pegged. Throw the ball somewhere else. And then, how... Let me, exp- let me just, let me just speak, speak on this point right now. I don't care whatever you want to say about DMV offensive linemen or these guys are farm boys and they're tougher than us. Tell me, tell me how our guys lift similar amounts to them and we're getting we're on skates. Where's the scheme? Where's the adjustment? Where is my ability as a football player, as a proud athlete? And you know what? I was not a great one, but I played for three years in high school. Not football, but I played a different sport where you had to exert yourself. There's this like feeling inside me when I was terrible that I was embarrassed to be terrible and it made me angry and it made me, you know what, it made me want to hit somebody. Where is that feeling from these kids that they're just going to get lined up on and just blitzed the whole game? What, why do we have that quit and they don't? Because you see other teams getting beat like this and you know what the commentators say? They don't quit. You know what? They lost the game 59-21 to 21 because they don't quit. We don't have that. We don't have that dog in us. It's like watching a Mark Turgeon coach team at this point. Maryland football just does not have that dog in them, and I think that is just frankly disgusting and disappointing. 
as somebody, one of the few Maryland fans that was not related to any of the players, that stayed the entire game where there were like 15,000 Penn State fans in the stadium because you know what? They left too because it wasn't even entertaining. How are we going to have fans? How are you going to ask for this environment? That's all these players ask for. That's it. They only wanted to fill the shell, you know, get our alumni back, get our students back behind us. All that was there. There were people, there were people, you know what, that probably hadn't been to a Maryland game in 20 years, and they said, let me go to this one, and let's see if this program's back, because everyone's saying this guy's going to bring it to them. And what do they do? They just lost in every way, across the board. L's. That's it. That's all i got to say. Uh, I don't think I can top that. I think you're right. Um, I don't know what else to say. So let's move on. They failed. They got what And we're moving on because... Let's move on to a similar program that has similar uh, disgust in their tone after what happened to them last week. I think we might be angrier, but we didn't fire our coach. Um, so Rutgers. Um, actually, I wait, wait, one more thing. Because this one's important. Um, I am... I guess I'm the guy who has the ear into the ground on the Wirecott football landscape. Well, on the boards, on college football comment sections and Reddit and stuff like that, I don't know how it was in person, Mason, but online, Big Ten fans, now Iowa State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, especially Penn State fans, they didn't trash talk us after getting, after this game. They, they didn't say anything mean. They were just like, you know what? I feel bad for them. They packed their... Se- Stadium. They fought off the opposing invading fans for the most part, which is something actually people give us credit for. We kept the stadium pretty pro Maryland, um, and the team didn't show up. They all showed up. It was a blackout. It looked like fun to be there, and we didn't show up. And Penn State fans, most of them just said, "I feel bad for them." Like, what? What else are we gonna say? We, we, we eviscerate. We eviscerate the team. Their fans are just left in the dust. They they pitied us, and I. I, I mean. It's also sad because I don't know how to respond to that. Like, I was just like, yeah, I, I'm pitying us too right now. We sucked. And it's it's a whole other level of feeling bad when your opponents are just like, I feel bad for you guys. That's how below us you are at this point. And I can't even disagree. Apparently, we are still that far below them. Yeah, not much else to say about that. It wasn't necessarily the same in the game in the parking lots. I heard some things. There were, there were some fights in the in the actual stadium, but apparently outside there also were. It, it was kind of weird because Penn State likes to say that they don't, they're not Maryland's rival at all. But for some reason, at this game, at the game, I'm not saying online, I'm not saying anywhere else, it seemed like quite the rivalry. Like the, on the field it wasn't, but outside, I, there were just... Maryland students do not like Penn State students and, and, and vice versa. Other than the ones that are friends from outside of that. Alright, well, um, there's nothing else to say. This game's not even worth talking about. Yeah, let's talk we about have, Rutgers. We have a winnable game. Yeah, let's talk about Rutgers. Uh, Maryland is still on the ESPN Power Index really quickly. 82.2% to win against Rutgers. Um, it's been a rough year for the Scarlet Knights. They average 16 points per game. And they are allowing 33 points per game, only 302 total yards per game for Rutgers, and they're giving up over 400. On the Maryland side, if you're wondering, after these past two weeks, the Terps still averaged 39.8 points per game. They averaged giving up 24.8, and Maryland 
on average, earns 435 yards, .3 a game. I'm expecting Maryland, uh, even with the offensive line most, to come out and win this game and win it by quite a lot. I know that's a rare opinion at this point. The Terps opened up as 13-point favorites, but Jordan, let's hear your opinions because I guess I just root for Maryland and I expect them to win when they lose games 59 to nothing. Yeah, um, man, this Penn State game caused a massive shadow. It's hard to talk about it with talk about my own football right now without mentioning it. But we're um, Rutgers is a bad football team. I don't, really don't know how else to say it. Um, have lost their last three. Uh, their last three games combined, they scored 16 points, all of which were against Boston College. Um, they're bad. They their quarterback Arthur Sotowski um, is currently at 44 out of 60 on the season with a touchdown and interception. They also have played uh, McLean Carter, who has played slightly better, I'd say, maybe. But he's been benched, so I guess not. I haven't watched Rutgers game, I'll be honest about that. Um, their rushing attack was supposed to be the strength of this offense. It was supposed to be the thing that gave them a chance at a bowl bid. That has not been the case this season. Um, they're led by um, two backs, Isaiah Pacheco and Rasheem Blackshear. Well, Blackshear was supposed to start the season and is not. He's only taken about half the carries as Pacheco. Neither of them has been very good so far. Pacheco averaging at about 70 yards per game, a little bit more. Um, that's about it. Rasheem Blackshear is also the top receiver this season. That's worth mentioning. But really, this record team has been bad, and they fired Chris Hatch for a reason. The team has looked lost, especially on offense. They did what they had to do. But do you know who the um, OC, sorry, the DC of Rutgers is this season, Mason? Yeah, the the old Maryland friend uh, just referenced him, I believe, earlier in the show, Andy Boo. Correct. So he is the ex- coordinator there. Yes, we know what to expect on defense from Rutgers. If you watched Maryland from a schematic standpoint, it is a weird one. They'll be running the old, I believe, is it, is it the four-two-five? I, I can't even remember. I was so finished yes. with it because Maryland kind of switched out of it uh, when Coach Canada took over. Quick look at the Rutgers defense. Some um, familiar numbers. They only have four sacks on the season. They have three interceptions. They have not recovered a fumble. We know what to expect, and we should be able to beat it. You're looking at some guys. Not the quarterback, though. Not the quarterback that saw this for that have seen the scheme in practice. One of the things that we used to highlight with Andy Boo is, you know, it's a weird scheme. Not a lot of people look at it. Maryland's seen it. They shouldn't know how to attack it. And they should win this game. You're looking at a team that beat UMass, who I could have thrown in the rundown. I could have thrown a shout-out to Walt Bell, who's been everywhere because of how bad UMass is to start the season. They lost to Iowa 30 to nothing. We've been there, though. They lost to Boston College, who has not had a good start to their season, and they got blown to bits by a Michigan team that couldn't put up points before last week. We yeah, you should be able to beat these guys. Even how much... I know as Maryland fans, we don't... No one has faith in this program anymore. That's all it took. Two games. Actually, it was really just one game. With all that, Rutgers, you can make it a legitimate argument, is a bottom 10 team in college football. Yes. If you don't beat these guys by, I'd say, like, 20 points, really, by, like, 20 points, 
that's still going to keep the concern going. I, I don't think there's a way... You no, 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 hold on, no. If they beat Rutgers by 70 points, I'm still concerned for the rest of the season. That's what I was going to say, actually. Unless you put up a Howard-like dominance... You're still gonna be. They're still gonna be concerned, and yeah, even if you beat them by that much, you still might be concerned. So I'm gonna go but, over some scenarios because we both think that Maryland's gonna win this game by a lot of points. I'm gonna go over the scenario where they don't. Oh boy! I think you can look at film at this point on Josh Jackson and say, "Not zero blitz. Do not run the zero blitz against Maryland because that's what um Howard tried to do, and that's what Syracuse tried to do, and he will light that up." This kid, if Maryland's offensive linemen don't play, I think they lose. Because if those guys don't play, and if it is Spencer Anderson and Austin Fontaine, I think that the Rutgers front four, five, whatever Andy Booth throws out there, I think they'll be able to get to them. And then you have the ability to look at exactly what Penn State did, exactly what Temple did, and suddenly, you, if you're Maryland, he throws an interception on that first drive, you take him, you might as well just put him on the bench. If he throws to Tyler Mayberry on that first drive, and he throws a little... TP tries to throw the ball as hard as he can and gets intercepted by a linebacker, if I'm Mike Loxley, if I, especially if I'm Scotty Montgomery, and I'm in that booth, I would take my ass out of that booth, get on that elevator down to that field level, and just, like, explode. At that point, if he throws that same interception, I'm moving off him for the rest of the season. Piggy... Uh, I'll talk about Piggy for a second against Penn State... It was one of the only well-blocked plays that Maryland had, and Piggy was running the ball into pressure. So, I don't really think he's an option. Uh, they're saying that DeSue is really struggling. I go to DeSue straight away, because I think that he's a really he's a pocket passer. I don't think Lance is ready. I wouldn't ruin Lance this season. I go to DeSue if Josh was having a bad game, and I think they can still pull something out. I think they the thing about Rutgers is it's not like Penn State. It's not like Ohio State. You can come back, and you can beat Rutgers. Just please. Show out, win the game by a good amount, and let's move on to Purdue because we can beat Purdue. They have injury problems. Maryland's getting back to being healthy, at least up front where they need it. Win this game, move on, and let's hopefully we can put something together before that Michigan game. We can get another nice crowd out. Hope so, but I'm not. My optimism has been torpedoed. Maybe we'll get some back next week, but I don't have anything else to say. I don't. Uh, like. Here's the thing about this game. It would be one thing if they were playing Purdue or Minnesota, and then if you win this game, you're like, okay, let's go. We got it together. But if they win this game, everyone's going to say, yep, that's what they should play like. And it's, oh, it's just yeah. like, that's all you can hope for at this point. You just need to win this game. You you should win this game, and you need to win it. And that that's pretty much my bottom line for this one. That's all i got to say. Let's go ahead and predict the game and wrap it up. Um... Man, I don't know. I would say Maryland 52, Rutgers 10. I'll go with something similar. I say the Terps get it rolling early. Rutgers kind of catches on a little bit. I'll give the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 17, Maryland. I'm going to say a modest 35. And I do not think it will be pretty. For the record, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think Rutgers stays into about halftime. Game gets into the fourth quarter. Maryland goes ahead and puts on, like, I think the score's going to be like 21-17 to 17 going into the third quarter. I really hope it's not. Maryland gets an early touchdown. Rutgers tries to put something together late, either turns it over on fourth down, like on the four-yard line, or if those are pick six or something. Defense got to show out. You got to win the game. Defense has to show up. 
offense needs to prove that the first two games were in a mirage at this point. I don't know what it would take for me to have faith in Josh Jackson again. I think he totally just looked out of his depth as the quarterback against Penn State. But you got to start rebuilding trust somewhere. It's going to be hard to get this, the fan base back on your side after the Penn State game. It might take four or five wins in a row, really. But you got to start. you got to win next week, and that just that's all i got to say about it. Let's focus, get it together, win this game. As always on the podcast, we would like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Call Viner Four Gates at 301-251-2900. Allied Party Rentals for all of your party rental needs, big or small. They're your perfect place. Visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Get locked in. Let's get focused. Get back in the win column. Get to 3-2 and two and then focus on next week. But right now, it's all about beating Rock Curves and getting our season somewhat put back together we'll be back to discuss the game on sunday and i guess that will wrap it up on another furiously angry podcast about maryland football and as always thanks for listening